Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey friends, welcome to Millennium Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Compton-Game, and I get to chat with some super inspiring people who will inspire us all to get up, take back our bank accounts, and chase after the life we want to live. And honestly, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview with Daniel. He's got this new book, Don't Save for Retirement, and it offers a unique way to think about retirement that is somewhat counterintuitive to how we've been taught about retirement, but I feel it is definitely what retirement is going to look like for us all. And hint, it's unlike your parents and definitely unlike your grandparents' version of retirement.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. You're already one of our biggest fans of the pod, but I want to invite you to go deeper behind the scenes with me every single month. Get all the scoops on what I'm loving, catch up on popular podcast episodes, and check out a video with a money tip in each monthly email delivered straight to your inbox. Plus, since I'm a big fan of having dessert first, I'm going to send you an exclusive bonus podcast episode, five minutes to recite your money mindset when you sign up as an added treat. Head over to mmoneypodcast.com and enter your email address in the box on the homepage to sign up. Again, that's mmoneypodcast.com. I can't wait to see you behind the scenes. Let's be real. If you look at the stats about retirement savings, <laughs> they aren't good. A recent article in Motley Fool that I found points out that one in three Americans have less than 5000 bucks in retirement savings. And I get it, right? We're all just trying to pay for our houses and our cars and our student loans and have some cash to travel. And of course, we got to have some fun. So when I got a copy of Daniel's new book, I knew you needed to hear what he has to say. I don't want to spoil any of the thunder because this is seriously such a good chat. But Daniel thinks there are three reasons why retirement will look different. And I agree with all three. Number one, Passive income is the key to your financial freedom. Number two, there is an overspending epidemic and we're all a part of it. And number three, our investing strategy simply sucks and is stuck in the 80s. You know, I was reading your new book, Don't Save for Retirement. And as I was reading it this weekend, I kept saying out loud, yes, totally, exactly. And my husband kept looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so needless to say, I was I was very excited to chat because I think we're, we're very much in line in how we think. But I don't want to pull any punches. And I just want to start out with kind of a big question. So are you saying that the traditional way that we're taught to save for retirement is not working? Or even maybe it's a scam? I, you know, I don't know if it's a scam because I think the intentions are are pure, are, are we're good to help people save money, to help people plan ahead. But certainly I think the results are in for retirement. It is a relatively new idea, especially the way we actually apply it. And, um, you know, with mm, the age yeah. 65 or the 401ks, which have only been around since uh, really implementation was the 1980s legislation passed in the 70s, late 70s. And, you know, if you look at how, how it worked out for the baby boomers, who essentially had the best bond market, best real estate market, uh, best, you know, housing market. Exactly. And here we are, with, according to Vanguard, the median account holder, uh, 65 and up for a 401k is $58,000. And uh, there are some, there are, that, and that's actually one of the better numbers out there. There are some much worse numbers out there for the, for the average 50-year-old, 55-year-old, 60-year-old. So in my opinion, um, saving uh, for retirement um, has has spectacularly failed uh, the baby boomers. And I don't think the millennials have a chance if they apply that. Uh, if they apply a failed practice on a new economy, it's going to work out even worse for them. You know, the generation that it worked out for was the first generation that really tried it. Yeah, and of course, exactly. because that's how that's how it always works. I mean, look at the first person who put in to Social Security. They did about $28.50, and then they proceeded to pull out $50,000. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> 
Wow, that's uh, that's amazing, and I, I think it really it begs like so many questions because if you look at any of the big websites, I mean, you're just inundated with articles about you need to be saving for retirement, you need your 401k, you need your IRA. I mean, it's just it's it's endless. You know, what do you think is broken still that we're attached to this old way of of retirement savings? Well, you know, I think a lot of people and the financial industry has conditioned us into believing that we have to reallocate our money to Wall Street, that somehow uh, owning a 100% uh, paper asset portfolio is going to be a, a diversifier. And we've completely ignored income. Now, if you look at the way the rich invest, and I mean the, the world's richest people or even the largest institutions like insurance and, and banking, they focus on preservation and they focus on cash flow. Absolutely. And um, the middle class is focused on on speculation. They're hoping the money is uh, going to grow. They're hoping that the four hundred one k will go up, um, and they're even hoping they're even speculating on on what their tax withdrawal rate will be because they have no idea what income taxes will be when they withdraw the money. So full blown full time speculators saving for retirement today. Uh, as opposed to focusing on cash flow, and I think there's an opportunity cost for a lot of people. Uh, you know, money that they're they're putting away into a 401k. They don't plan on touching it for 30 or 40 years. And uh, they could be buying things that actually mail them a check this month that pay them every month or pay them every quarter. Uh, things that actually enhance the quality of your life uh, during your younger years, as, and as well as preparing a, fi- a financial moat and independence for you in, when you're older. Or even now when you're younger, if you want to do a part-time job or do a hobby job, if you can focus on in investing and buying up and accumulating cash flow. But so many people have become uh, easily conditioned into just focusing on this retirement scheme uh, when in reality, the retirement is working out really well for all the mutual fund industries. We've seen an explosion. There's more mutual funds than there are stocks. And uh, so retirement is a huge cash cow for Wall Street and the financial services industry. Gosh, it just, it really makes you think about it in a different way. And thinking back of, um, I'm a certified financial planner. So thinking back of clients that I've worked with over, you know, 10, 12 years, the ones that were the wealthiest, they didn't retire in the quote unquote normal way, meaning that their 401k or their IRA or their Roth was almost like pocket change to them. They just didn't see it as the, the method or the asset, I should say, that is going to carry them for the rest of their lives. And so I think what, what you're saying is so fascinating because it goes along with that, with that same premise. So if the focus then is on cash flow, what are some of the ways that we, even maybe on a limited budget, could focus more on cash flow? Yeah, I would tell anybody who's just starting out or saying, "Hey, I don't I only have $25 extra a month." I would say the first thing you do to increase your cash flow and start investing in passive income is actually cut spending. And I don't mean like tr- switching your checking account and uh, you know, switching your credit cards uh, and saving or or not drinking coffees. I mean like really cut spending. Most people are living in an unsustainable situation uh in the sense that they have a 7 to 8 year financed vehicle, uh they have credit card debts, uh, they're living in a uh, a place that you know perhaps is uh, you know the expenses are one third or half of their of their monthly sure. paycheck. So really look at uh, evaluate your life and and what is what are you willing to sacrifice for the next year to two years in order to start building this up? Because if you can build up the cash flow to pay your bills, 
it will uh, it will have great benefits on on the quality of your life. You know, the low hanging fruit for cash flow is crowdfunded uh, REITs. These are um, investments that institutions and Wall Street have been involved in forever, uh, and now it's possible for the little guy to be part of uh, you know a, a crowdfunded mortgage uh, with Pure Street. Uh, that's that's uh, Brett Cosby. He's um, uh, the guy who's founded Google Analytics. Sure. Uh, Dr. Michael Berry, the guy in the big short, by, played by Christian Bale. He's one of the seed investors. You've got places like Fundrise out there. These are these are uh, groups that are buying. You know, you're 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 upgrading your assets. You have uh, you'll have a sliver of the JW Marriott and a, and a Costco, and those things pay you every single month. Um, and then if you really want to get into owning direct real estate, uh, you can use leverage and own your own duplex. Or and you know, I really tell people think outside of the box. Just when I tell them to cut spending, consider moving because that is always going to be your biggest cost saver if you actually move and, and leave an area and to go save money. Uh, but same thing when you're investing, don't just think of the everywhere that's within 10 minutes of your house. You know, there's a whole world out there. There's a, there's a whole country out here that you can buy real estate from in all sorts of ways to access it. And of course there are a lot of other cash flow ideas outside of real estate, either just loaning money, private lending. Uh, there's so many different opportunities uh, whether it's for vehicles or, or, or um, businesses or just personal consumption, uh, there are a lot of cash flow ideas that you could get involve yourself with in businesses that you might already be involved in or a hobby that you might be involved in. Uh, there are ways yeah. to earn extra income. Forget about just passive income. There are ways to earn extra income now. I mean, you, look, you can start a business for $10 on GoDaddy. You can sell your skills. Uh, there's, you know, we're, we're in a freelance economy, which is another reason to to really focus on investing for cash flow, because if you take this this 1950s, 1960s model of saving and and a life cycle that has you, you know, retiring supposedly at 65, um, you know, you 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 you're setting yourself up for failure in 2019. We live in a very very different, much different economy. But at the same point in time, my message to millennials is embrace it. We have mobility. Um, you know, I actually got rid of my car in May. I've been to Uber only since May. I mean, wow. we have mobility. It's easy yeah. for us to start businesses. I mean, we live in a great world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm super curious because there's so many gems in what you just said, but I'm thinking about we we all have our own, I call it a money mindset or how we think about money, how we get stuck in these different patterns of thinking. So how how would someone even begin to make that shift from from recognizing that the old way that retirement was done is no longer serving. Like, do you have any, any suggestions for how you do that? Cause I could, I could imagine a lot of people are kind of like, okay, that's great. But how do I begin to do this stuff? Well, you have to read the book. Don't save for retirement to start with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and by the way, for your, for your listeners, if they go to futuremoneytrends.com slash save, they can actually read the, the intro which, which starts 10 years ago, my wife and I in a bankruptcy attorney's office, as well as the first chapter where I really kind of reset my brain on, on the definition of what wealth is. But I really think it's a life reflection. You have to start off by just, you know, how do you value your time? Uh, whether you're in traffic or uh, busy and not able to see your family, how do you value your time? What are the things you want to accomplish in your life? I always tell people, and I put it in the book, you know, really ask yourself, what are the three things you want people to say about you at your funeral? Because if you really think about those those things, that's what you should be doing right now. That's who wow. you are. That's your purpose. And uh, you, you have to embrace that. And I look at money 
as a way to buy your freedom. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to quit your job at 30 years old, but maybe you will have enough cash flow or reduce your expenses with a combination of passive income that you live a life that you can perhaps do your hobby job or your hobby business your whole life, or you can work from home or be with your family or travel more. But these opportunities can open up to you uh, if you use money as a tool. Stop thinking of it as just this number that you need to pile up big enough so that you can one day rip chunks from it uh, in, in when you're 70 years old and start using it as a tool. Unfortunately, none of this is taught in school. Um, so you really do have to. I love the question because you really do have to actually spend some time reading, listening to podcasts like this. And then I would say if somebody really wants to be financially independent, if you want to do this, you need to own it. You know, if I go to um, UC San Diego, which is down the street from where I am right now, and ask somebody, what are you going to do? They'll tell me, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to be a lawyer, whatever they're studying. But you ask somebody who wants to be financially independent, and they might not say it because they might be embarrassed. The task seems too hard. But you know what? That's the thing. If you can't own it, it's not going to happen for you. So you need to, like, I am going to be financially independent. I used to get invited, you know, eight, nine years ago to go to like a party and like, hey, let's all rent a limo and do a wine tasting with our friends. And I would say, no, I I can't. It's 150 bucks. I'm going to pass. And they would say, let me, let me help you. And I'd say, no, no, it's not that I don't have the money. It's that I've made it not a priority of going on a wine yeah. tasting because my wife and I are doing something right now. We're trying to become financially independent so we can live with our kids. We were open about it. And so I just would encourage, make the decision and then own it. And if you can, I'll just squeeze this in. Every single one of my kids' rooms, including my wife and I's, we all have statements that are in front of us. Write down why you're going to become financially free and what you're going to do. And don't let yourself hide from it in a month from now. Make yourself read it every single day. Put it on the bathroom mirror. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm. 
for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince, and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private. 
by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. So this is a segment I like to call silly facts about money. You just never know when you might need to roll some silly facts off next date if you're having a bad next date, <laughs> hang out with your friends, your boss, you just never know. So here are 10 silly facts about money. Number one, the blue ribbon woven through the new $100 bill contains thousands of micro lenses that make the Liberty Bell appear to dance. And they also make me feel quite dizzy. But check that out. Number two, so this is really fascinating. Each color has its own physical characteristics. Green was selected for the U.S. dollar because it's the most resistant to fading, flaking, and discoloration. I find that really interesting. Like, that's the reason that money is green. Number three, according to the Federal Reserve Bank, the average lifespan of a $50 bill is 3.7 years. Next in line is the $10 bill at 4.2 years, followed by the $5 bill at 4.9 years. Hmm. Number four. The government says you'd have to fold a bill 4,000 times before it tears. Um, I don't have the patience for this one, but if you do, please tell me what happens on the 4,001 fold. Number five, currency is three-fourths cotton and one-fourth linen. It also has small red and blue synthetic fibers woven throughout the bill. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't guess I didn't realize that it was cotton and linen. Number six, if you're worth your weight in gold, the average American is worth over three million bucks. Yes. Now this is one I love, right? Just give me the three million bucks. Number seven, Florida leads the nation in reported identity theft with nearly 40,000 complaints last year. Okay. So my Florida listeners, what in the world is going on in Florida? Number eight, Okay, are you ready to be super grossed out here? Because I was very grossed out. Studies show that on average, dollar bills host more bacteria per centimeter than toilet seats. Yes, yes, you heard that right. Okay, I'm going to go wash all my bills after this episode. Number nine, Martha Washington is the only woman whose portrait has appeared on a U.S. currency note. It appeared on the face of a $1 silver certificate in 1886 and 1891, and then the back of a $1 silver certificate in 1896. Now, what is the deal? Come on, we need more women here. Number 10. And here's one I just think you can really impress your friends with. The Lincoln penny is the only coin in which the figure faces right. I mean... I didn't know. I, it's money is money. I don't, I don't examine it like this. But now you have 10 silly facts. You can just roll off your tongue. You know that business idea that you've had that is lurking in your head? 
I think it's time you breathe some life into it and make it a reality. Take it from me, someone who's been creating business ideas for over 20 years now. For me, it all starts with a name. What are you going to call your new business idea or company? Once you've got a stellar name in mind, head quickly over to bluehost.com to register your URL and set up your website hosting before someone else snags your amazing name. I have over 25 URLs registered on Bluehost just in case I want to use them in the future. And what I love about Bluehost is how affordable it is to register your domain and get your website up and running fast. With my special URL, bit.ly slash Bluehost Money. You can register your domain name and set up hosting for your website all for only $3.95 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee to start building your business empire. Again, head on over to bit.ly slash Bluehost Money to get this special offer. Wow, Daniel, that's so good. <laughs> I think if everyone just needs to like rewind and listen to those last like few minutes over and over and over again, because I, I wholeheartedly believe that that, that exactly what you said, that's where the magic lies. But I, I'm curious, did you, when you were growing up, was money talked about in your family or did you evolve into really this place of, of valuing financial independence? You know, um, my household did not talk about money a lot. Um, I was always fascinated by it, though. Ever since I was a boy at five years old, my mom has stories of me doing crazy things. I <laughs> undercut my teacher. They, you know, he was selling pencils for 10 cents. I was asking my mom for pencils and I was taking them to school selling them for nine cents. Yeah. Never interested in materialism, just fascinated with money. Um, and it was always, it was always fun, fun for me. And, you know, I enjoyed it. And of course, being financially independent, uh, I always just, I, I hate it. People tell me what to do. And, you know, after the 08 crisis, I did have to work for two years and I just hated it. It was just, I was, it actually was great because it reminded me of how much I, I'm, I fear having a job, not losing yes. it. I fear having yes. one. And, um, I actually dedicated chapter nine of the book to what I teach my own children, uh, be, and I was considering writing an entire book about it because it's actually something I'm very passionate about teaching kids about money. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really wasn't taught it. And as you guys know, anybody listening to this, we weren't taught it in school either. The only thing they taught me in school, uh, I was in a home ex class and they, this is, these charts are old because I was in high school in the nineties and these charts you assume were probably a few years before that. But the average college graduate was making 35 grand a year and the average high school graduate was making 25. And that was the teacher's pitch to go to college. And I'll never forget that day because <laughs> I was like, this is this is crazy. I'm going to be broke no matter what. There's got to be another way. <laughs> and luckily, I hit the lottery when some random person handed me a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. Classic. Yeah, I think everybody should have that book. I keep them in my house stacked up. I hand them out like um, it's, it's Halloween over here. Yeah, because... I think it's so hard when you're you're stuck in a particular situation, whether maybe your business isn't going well or you were raised in an environment where there was always lack. And so you're entered your adulthood into this this lack phase of money. I, I, there's so many different examples of things that keep us stuck. But really, I think altering that and like you say, make these mantras, do whatever you need to do, because this stuff is feasible. And I think it's so easy to just have this preconceived notion that you just need a ton of cash 
in your bank account in order to make some of this stuff happen. And that's just not true. No, it's not. And honestly, you have to consider, is it working out? Are people enjoying their lives? You know, poll after poll, it shows that, you know, many Americans are losing sleep over, uh, over finances. And here we all, we're all trying to keep up with each other. And I'll tell you, my wife and I, we were raised in an area where if we wanted to buy a home in 2009, this is after the crash. This is when the real estate was bottomed out. And, um, you know, it was $500,000 for a 1200 square foot home. And I told her, I'm like, let's, let's get out of here. And, um, we moved an hour away and we lived in the desert of California for one fifth the cost. And we dramatically cut our spending and, um, we were able to become financially free, um, by making decisions like that. And now we didn't live that lifestyle permanently. I live in a great house. I have probably a 200 degree angle uh, view of the ocean right now, the Pacific ocean. But look, it was those, those decisions that I made 11, 10 years ago. And, and that's hard for a lot of people because they make the sacrifice. Maybe you're embarrassed about driving a $5,000 car when everybody else has a 50 to $100,000 car. But that it is what it is. I mean, look, I drove it when I was financially independent. I wasn't a millionaire, by the way, when I became financially independent. Um, and I drove a 2003 Nissan Altima. When I became a millionaire, I still had that 2003 Nissan Altima. And then I had some Escalades and now I don't have any car. <laughs> I mean, so you just have to really, you know, not um, bow down to the societal peer pressures we all face. Yeah, this is such an important lesson. Well, I would say like, you know, there's so much in your book. You obviously talk about passive income being this building block to to wealth. What are some practical steps that you think, if somebody's listening to this today, what are some practical steps they could take uh, to, st- to start moving in this direction and maybe creating some of these cash flow opportunities? I would I would look at in, in the book. I have all the links and stuff for that, uh, but I would I would start looking into just. Uh, First off, have a, have an investment criteria for yourself that ask yourself, am I going to get paid? And that's kind of what my wife and I did. Um, you know, of course, I'm like everybody else, a little bit of my portfolio has some speculative stuff, but I really 90% of our efforts, what is going to pay me? And if it doesn't pay you, don't buy it and just keep doing that. And you watch what happens to your life in about a year when you start receiving checks, you're going to look forward to going into the mailbox because there's going to be something waiting for you. And I would start looking at things that are easy to get involved with. Now, of course, the, the, the sweet spot is, is, um, if you could buy a home or a rental property, you're going to get the leverage. And I love the leverage, but let's put that aside. Look, for 25 bucks, you can get involved in, uh, Realty Mogul, uh, or Funrise or, or, or something like a Pure Street. Uh, lending club is out there. I mean, you're, you're getting about an eight to 9% yield on consumer lending. These are things that banks have historically done in credit cards for years. It works for Amex. It works for the largest, uh, insurance companies who, by the way, the banks and insurance companies are the ones who own these great skyscrapers. And that's what a lot of these private REITs, um, offer. Mm, yeah. Public yeah. REITs offer this too. For those of you who are like, why aren't you just buying the Vanguard, whatever? But look, uh, if you actually look at uh, uh, different studies on public REITs versus private REITs, there is a cost to having a stock uh, be, uh, because you have market pricing. You can liquidate it in a second, but there is a cost that they perform about 30%. Uh, there is a 30% cost on that when you look at their historical return on investment. 
But, uh, you know, for people who don't know what a REIT, a REIT basically they have to distribute 90% of their income. Uh, so they're saving money on taxes, but they're also making sure that those profits, they get to you immediately. Um, so that's why I do prefer that model. And I think that's the easiest thing. And those are ones that I use. Um, there are a lot of other ones that I've gotten involved with um, that I've learned about from family wealth offices. But I would say for the average person who's listening who wants to start today, honestly, check out Fundrise. Uh, check out Pure Street and check out Realty Mogul. Uh, these are these are asset backed companies and they have very good very good quality assets and that'll get you some cash flow right away. Um, and then of course, I'd highly recommend checking out Future Money Trends. It's the site I run and anything that I'm investing and in, I always share with my subscribers every Sunday. Wow, that's that's good to know. I love that uh, accessibility because I think we're, we're you know if someone's just starting out, they're like it's completely over their head. But I wanted to go back to something that you said. Uh, everyone knows this word leverage, but why is why is leverage so powerful? How does leverage work to help you build wealth? So if I put a hundred thousand dollars into Fundrise uh, today. I will receive about $10,000 in cash flow over the next year. Um, however, I could take $100,000 and I could purchase a $500,000 uh, apartment building called, let's say, um, fourplex. I will control a half a million dollar or, yeah, half a million dollar asset with $100,000. Now, that half a million dollar asset is still going to pay as a half a million dollar asset. So you're receiving the income on a $500,000 asset as opposed to receiving the income on a $100,000 asset. So that is that is the simplest way to explain it to people. You know, I, I used to use the analogy of a stock. You can buy, you know, if you if you use uh, $20,000 to buy a stock, you've got $20,000. $20,000 in real estate could buy you a $100,000 asset. Now, if the real estate goes up 10%, that's a 50% return just on appreciation, even though I'm more focused on the cash flow. But that is that is an easy way to look at it. If the stock um, was to do the same thing, it would actually have to go up 50% as opposed to going up 10%. So that's the power of leverage. Um, and just let everybody know. So I know there's probably a lot of people sitting here going, man, that's not for me. I can't do it. My credit's messed up. I can't afford right. it. Yeah. All these excuses. Guys, check this out. I blew my credit score up in 2008. With dozens of foreclosures, I have purchased probably 40 properties over the last decade, and I have not called a bank even once. I've seller financed every single one of them. And I know everybody's like, that's not possible. Well, guess what? <laughs> if you go out looking for things, things are possible. Yeah. Wow. That's like, gosh, there's so many awesome gems that you have dished in this episode. I'd love to just end with, if you could just boil something down into maybe one key money lesson that you've learned through this whole journey, what would that be? I'll tell you this. I have it uh, in top of our homeschool room in big, gigantic letters. And it says only buy assets that cash flow. And that is the best thing I've learned. And I'll tell you where I learned it. In 2008, when the housing market crashed, we were down to one property, a duplex Everything else was foreclosing, short selling. It was a disaster. And um, this property went from 120000 to 65000 It was a disaster if you looked at it on paper. We had lost 50% on the last property we had left. However, the rents went up. And that was when it dawned on me. The cash flow, if I ignore the volatility, 
and stop perceiving volatility as risk as far as the price and start at focusing on the cash flow, I could, I could be uh, more at peace with my life and more at peace with my income. And so that property, the rents continue to go up and they actually really went up in 09 and 10 because a lot of homeowners came onto the rental market. So at a time when real estate was crashing, anybody who's a landlord was actually making more money because their cash flow was going up. And that's where uh, even when I buy stocks now, I might buy a company like Disney and I don't care if it goes up and down because my, my, I, I was able to see that my, my, my perception of risk had changed. I no longer perceived volatility as risk. Volatility is something going up and down and started looking at, does Disney pay a dividend? Yes. Is Disney safe? Now, is it safe that the stock is not going to go up and down? No. Is it safe in the sense that it's never going away, that my great-grandkids and my great-great-great-grandkids will do yeah. business with that company? Yes, it is safe. So I started looking at preservation, buying assets that will be useful to people no matter what the economic times are, and also buying assets that pay me. Because if they pay me and they're not going away, there really isn't a risk. And that goes back to Warren Buffett, who says the number one rule is don't lose money and number two rules don't lose money. But too many of us focus on volatility of price swings. Don't focus on that. Focus on is this going to be around in 50 years from now? Because if it is, it's an asset worth owning. And does it pay me every month? Yeah, that's so fascinating. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of this amazing information. Well, Daniel, love for you to tell listeners where they can go to pick up a copy of your book and connect with you. I would love for them to go to futuremoneytrends.com slash save. Uh, You'll see the first chapter in the intro of the book free. If you want to buy it, there's an Amazon link, of course, as well as you'll be uh, subscribed to my free weekly wealth digest, which shares everything my wife and I are actively doing right now, as well as we'd like to pull out some funny stories and some crazy things we did along the way. I don't know what you're thinking, but I definitely feel like Daniel's on to something here. I've always said to my friends that I think retirement's just going to look really different if it's even a word, if it's even this thing when we're older. Because I, I do love the idea of doing something that I love for the rest of my life and not having to focus on saving this number in a retirement account like it's a do or die number. And that's not to say that you don't need to save money and that money doesn't grow. It's, it's none of that. But getting fixated on having to save a million bucks or two million bucks or four million bucks or whatever the number is, when you don't even know what life's going to look like, it's just really hard. So yes, you got to save, but I think you also have to be open to the idea that retirement might just look very, very different. It's just my two cents. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Listen, if you love what you heard, head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review for the podcast. It's one of the best ways to show us love and just allow us to bring millennial money to more listeners. I'll see you back here on Friday for our next episode. 